Well, it's been a while since oh, something happened behind me. I'm not sure what, but uh, it's been a while, guys, that uh, we've we've had our, our opportunity to, to record. And it's always a, a great time when we get to do a little bit of catching up and and talking about some topics. So welcome back to the show, Justin and Salim. Hello. Good to be back. We've we've been bandying about a few topics that we we wanted to go over today. Uh, World Cup is uh, is happening as we speak, and uh, be curious to see if you guys are watching it. And then we have a few things about um, misconceptions about living in the various countries that we have lived in. Each of us have lived in at least two. I think that uh, we can speak to some of the things that others might think about our countries, some misconceptions. And um, and then we're going to talk about what we're watching. And if we do have some time, we might talk a little bit about this, uh, the holidays. And, and uh, they are upon us or about to be upon us for some, not everybody, I guess. And uh, yeah, so I I wanted to just kick it off, guys. World Cup. Are you both watching the World Cup right now? So not really. I I typically in, in the past I was more of a I was more into it. Uh, nowadays, I mean, there's there's also the time difference uh, as well. So no, not really watching the World Cup. Though when Japan plays, um, I do try to at least watch the highlights and obviously Japan had their sort of big moment the other day when they, when they beat Germany and uh, that was a huge upset yes. uh, on the back huge. of also, there's been a couple so well, far. Yeah. Right? On the, on the back of uh, Argentina losing to Saudi Arabia, for instance. Uh, so that was, uh, yep. I mean, that was quite impressive, but yeah, um, there's, there's definitely a buzz going on uh, about, about the world cup here. Unfortunately, the upsets did not continue in the Canada-Belgium game. <laughs> Although I don't know if you guys saw, but the the, the Canadians outplayed the, the the Belgians in that game, and uh, they lost one nothing. Which uh, and they had a penalty kick they didn't end up scoring on, which uh, could have been a different story. But unfortunately, that whole uh, you know the upsets didn't carry over to Belgium and Canada. How is it for you? From how about you? How's it? How's it? Sorry, I'm um, sorry. How's it for you from a time difference perspective? Uh, it, so the games would be on maybe 4 a.m. that oh, would start, mm -hmm. like the first round of right. them. But then like the Canada game was on at 2 p.m. Oh, okay. local time here. And the game on Sunday against uh, Croatia is at 11 a.m. And the other game, I, I didn't see the Morocco game, what time that one's at. But they're actually reasonable times. Like 4 a.m. wouldn't be necessarily, but but... I, I don't even know the time difference between here and there. It's uh, is it similar to Europe, like like London time? Uh, well, you, I'm asking you, like for you guys, what's the, what is the? Is it like looking at London time, and that's kind of this Middle East no. time? No, yeah, I don't five know where hours. it's situated. Yeah, right. Yeah, but time. I mean, the timing of the matches for us is a bit harsh. To Salim's point before, I mean, the first match is quite doable. It's around seven o'clock, seven thirty. But the second match is at 10 p.m. usually in the group stage, and that means you know if you if you don't have to wake up early, you can maybe make it through the whole match. But if not, you know maybe you're conking out around halftime. And the third and fourth match are at 2 a.m. and 4 a.m., which are <laughs> damn near impossible unless you went to bed early the night before and woke up early for one of those matches. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, group stage first match, it's things are very uneven. Anything can happen. Um, 
So, you know, we could have anything as epic as Saudi Arabia, you know, beating Argentina. But, you know, you always have to take into perspective that a lot of these players are not getting a lot of time together on the field in the lead up to the World Cup. So for some of them, it's the first time playing together in a long time or maybe even ever. So some of these quote unquote super teams are oftentimes at a disadvantage because they're all in their clubs and then they don't get a break and they're not playing in their home country at a home country club. So they're not getting a lot of right. field time. So whenever they come, you know, into these major tournaments, you know, upsets like that can happen. But for, for Japan, I mean, it was, it was a great start to beat a, a powerhouse like Germany. Um, they showed their tactics right from the outset. They, they were going to counterattack them. And Germany played their, their style, 70, 74%, I think they had in possession throughout the game. But Japan was going to counterattack, counterattack, counterattack. And they showed it right at the outset. Maeda uh, had that one strike that really put the fear on the J- German defense and in the goalies. So I was glad to see the result. And uh, maybe it puts them in a position to move on past the group stage and uh, have a good showing. They don't seem to be as reliant on a star. Uh, they were oftentimes always looking to see if Honda would step up and do something. And this year, it seems a bit more well-rounded, but a bit early to tell. But in the meantime, since we live in Japan, and since we have to root for the home country, vamos Nippon. Well, and uh, this, this World Cup generated a lot of controversy. There's a lot of... Mm. Uh, things about this one that you know corruption sports washing guitar cutter i guess got the the events and and then there was the whole it's too hot there so i think they had to change it and then um you know the whole labor issues with building the the facilities that was that got a lot of Mm -hmm. negative attention so when we some of the radio shows that i've been listening to leading up to this is has been great news. Canada, first time in the World Cup in 36 years, I think it is. They were there in the late 80s, 86, I believe. And everybody's qualifying it a little bit with the, yeah, but this this is a, a World Cup that's got a lot of negative issues associated with it. But here's Canada in it for the first time in 36 years. So let's just kind of press on and forget about that bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. There've been a, there's been a bit about that about fans showing up to, uh, let's say, less than ready hotels and things like that, and uh, living. Con- uh, they have these like cities that they set up these kind of like camp encampments that they set up for fans for a more affordable option. I think it's somewhere around like maybe 200 USD a night instead of having to stay in the more expensive hotels. And the government's been and was that from pressure. Or because the places weren't ready yet, or well, no, that- the, those places weren't ready. <laughs> the encampments weren't ready. Oh, so so it's kind of like Sochi in 2018 in Russia, right? Where you know you were reading those stories about toilets and things just like scattered on the streets because you know the contractors just didn't have time to finish things. So kind of the same kind of deal is happening in Qatar. Qatar. I don't. I don't know the pronunciation. I apologize. Um, but uh, Salim. Well, do you say Qatar or do you say Qatar? Qatar. Qatar. Yeah. (laughs) I remember watching CNN years ago when there was something going on there and all of the CNN anchors were calling it Qatar, like Qatar. And, and you just felt like every time you heard them say, it's like, oh, come on guys, it's Qatar. (laughs) Like, you know, you're just trying to make it set, pronounce it properly. Just go with Qatar because that's what we all think it is, which it isn't. Right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Because I have heard it go back and forth between. It seemed like Cutter went out of style for a while in the in the media here, for from calling it that. Now it's back because the World Cup is right, there. So. Yeah. I guess good that they're trying to pronounce it 
the right way. Yeah, which is you hear when you hear me say that. Does you sound like you're, you, that's such an asshole thing to say? Because well, if something well, is something, why? What do you mean you're calling I'll, it cutter I'll, because you feel like calling it cutter? No, I'm not. I mean, not necessarily. Um, because when, when you think about it, uh, why are there English names for for countries, for instance? I mean, mm. no one, no one in Japan calls Japan Japan, right? It's not Japan. Mm. Uh, Egypt mm. is not is a is not an Arabic word. So when you think about that, sure. Point. I mean, we um, a lot of people will call Qatar uh, Qatar, but it's just the English way of saying it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good so point. I, I don't good think point. there's any offense to that necessarily. So what do Japanese call Japan? Nippon, Nihon, or Nippon? Nihon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, as as, a, as an American living in Japan, Justin, do you? Do you ever call the place you live other, anything other than Japan? That I can say without cursing? Or <laughs> <laughs> well, do you say Nihon or Nippon? Yeah, like, yeah. If I mean, you were in visiting a, in, your- in a conversation with someone Japanese, it, it, with an American or with someone overseas, no, um, because it's right. usually them. It's usually them referring to it as you know Japan and things like that. But. Yeah, I mean th- this <laughs> this whole this whole topic about like uh, about um, not only the the correct word or the authentic word that reflects the place, but also pronunciation is always very like comical to me because you know like we're 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 both into baseball, Clark, and you know that that there's been a very large contingent of baseball players in the last fifteen twenty years that have come from Latin America, and I get immense entertainment out of hearing announcers pronounce the last names of Latin players. I mean, it's, it's, it, mm-hmm. th- there's like whole, whole cloth, new creations. It's like, <laughs> you know, I, I get that, like, you know, the, the, the use of Qatar versus Qatar, you're trying to go towards the direction of the correct pronunciation, but because the Western ear is used to hearing something so flat, that's why they went with Qatar. Um, but, you know, and like, I'll give you an example of a Latin baseball player. There's a, a guy who played a catcher, uh, and I'm going to give you the pronunciation that most baseball fans were used to hearing. And people would oftentimes hear, oh, up to bat is George Fabregas. Well, his name isn't George Fabregas, nor is it on his card or anywhere else in his bio. His name is Jorge. So George became Jorge mm-hmm. became George. Okay, I get that. But Fabregas is not even in the realm. His name is Fabregas, Fabregas. But Fabregas became Fabergas. And I'm like, is he Greek? Like, the first time I heard it, I was wondering, like, who is this guy? And I looked him up. I'm like, oh, no, it's Latino. His name is Fabregas. (laughs) Well, this is a good point, because this came up with a friend of mine. And we talked about when, when people who are not native to a country or a language even it using like accents to say the name. So do you expect a Vin Scully who's unfortunately passed away a uh, famous baseball broadcaster? And maybe he did do this. I, I don't recall. Would he have put, would he have said that name correctly? Like, or should broadcasters pronounce it the way it would sound? Like, you know what I mean? You hear sometimes media sure. people will, We'll use a French word here in Canada. Right. We'll hear yes. French word, and they do it very well in the way it's. So, is that what all sportscasters should be doing? It should should pronounce correctly versus try. Uh, should great. That would be ideal. 
Uh, try 100%. Yes, they should try. Uh, mm, no matter yeah. if they grew up in the most monoculture, you know, lack of other exposure, they're given, uh, they're all given by media departments now, the phonetic breakdowns. And you can speak to this, I'm sure, because you were doing the announcing work for the, the hockey club, for the hockey team. Uh, so, yes. I, you know, at all levels now, the media departments are, are giving phonetic breakdowns on how to pronounce. And even if it's incorrect, no one really cares. Most cultures don't care as long as you're giving an effort to to doing it. A lot of times the players care and they really appreciate it if you actually ask them. Um, and and some players actually even changed the pronunciation. There's been a bunch of players from overseas playing for the Toronto Raptors and other other teams in the NBA that their name was pronounced a certain way. And then the media department updated it. And then the player came back to them and said, actually, that's not really correct. Or actually, I'd appreciate it if you did it this way. So a lot of times they just mm. appreciate the effort or the dialogue uh, more than anything. So as names, a fan, yeah. Names are always going to be difficult, right? And you know, I, I, yeah. I experienced yeah. this personally. Um, I have a Arabic first name and a Japanese last name. And uh, when, when, when I was living in... Australia, for instance, or when, wherever I live, really. Uh, I mean, no one can ever pronounce my name properly. Uh, as, you know, a, a, a simple example. You get like Salim. Yeah, it, Salim. So, you know, Salim is Salim, and my last name in in Japanese it's Horie, right? Uh, that ends with an I E. But I mean, unless you're French, perhaps um, I E is just E, right? So you know, when, whenever I'm speaking to a uh, a native English speaker, it's typically read as Hari. Uh, so when I was in Australia, it was always Salim Hari. And at, at, at some point for me, I'm not going to correct everyone I meet, right? So I just ended up going by Salim Hari. And it's just, that's my name. <laughs> uh, it, it's pointless to have to explain to everyone that the E at the end of a name in Japanese is an E as opposed to you know, an extension of the E. Well, this sounds like a good segue into our topic about where we're from and some of the misconceptions that um, are out there. So we each went back and looked at, uh, we've each lived in a couple of different countries. I wanted to approach it from the, what do you think are the misconceptions about the country you've lived in? We can either agree with that or we can come up with a couple that we think um, could be misconceptions or even flat out, I'm going to throw a couple out there that I want to, them to be debunked and, or, or confirmed if they're in fact real or not. So I'll, I'll start. So Canada, that's my home country. And I've also lived in China and, and in Japan. China was just six months Japan was uh, a little over three years, and I'll I'll talk because we've got so much Japan between the three of us in a sense. I'll focus on Canada right now. So Canada, I think, it, you know, and I can say, and you guys tell me if you believe this is something about Canadian. So I think a lot of people think every kid plays hockey in Canada. Do you guys think that? I think that in certain parts of Canada. All kids at least learn how to skate. I don't know if I'd go for hockey, but I would definitely make the assumption that because of the climate, that there's a lot of early life experience around ice. <laughs> hmm. 
Okay. I mean, oh, okay. personally speaking, and I and I I really emphasize personally because I am a multicultural kid who grew up kind of in in a bunch of different places. To me, because I have always lived with mis sort of uh, with misconceptions and people having misconceptions of about who I you know who I am, where I'm from, this and that. I try as best as po- uh, to the best extent possible to not have misconceptions or try to avoid uh, assuming things about other people and other cultures. So, you know, personally, I don't think. I mean, I I, I hate. I would hate to generalize, but at the same time, <laughs> I would assume that um, in in Canada, a lot of people play hockey growing up. Not everyone. Very well put, and I think this uh, this group in <clears throat> in general is pretty multicultural in a sense. Uh, the three of us, uh, we almost needed to have somebody on here that's never really gone anywhere because we all have lived in other parts of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay, yeah, we need to talk to our booking agent on that one. We messed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That fourth guest or third guest, um, I guess maple syrup. We don't serve maple syrup with every meal here, but 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 uh, okay. Here, here here we go. So maybe it's a misconception, but I imagine it's in every home. Is that fair to say? Well, the other thing too about Canada, it is very multicultural. So we have a lot of well, cultures right. that yeah. uh, are here that aren't Canadian, well, yes. which yeah. goes back to the hockey mm-hmm. comment because a lot of foreign people that come to Canada don't play hockey never mm-hmm. played hockey mm-hmm. and and hockey is seen as a an inaccessible sport in Canada to a degree because of the cost of of playing it the equipment as an example i just got my son used hockey equipment at one of these called played against sports so you can go mm-hmm. in and buy like stuff that's been worn for a season and we i spent $500 on hockey equipment no way. for my son wow. that was second hand right uh, the skates were like 150 of that. What would that have been retail? Would that have been twice the price, three times the price if you paid full? Uh, about. Yeah. Well, I was going to say as an example on the skates, and this is again used. The the guy helping us out, young guy, he says, "Okay, well, we got a couple options on the skates here. We have uh, these. These are six hundred dollars. Um, these ones are two hundred, and then these ones are no. There was six hundred. 400 and 150 and he basically said look the 150 they're great skates they're they retailed for like 300 or 400 a couple years ago um you're probably good with these and i said yeah we're good with, we're good with those <laughs> you could spend six seven hundred dollars alone on a set of skates and that's for kids too adults eight nine hundred dollars easily maybe a thousand on a set of skates that's insane so from that perspective, uh, because of going back to the multicultural thing, it's a lot of people coming into this country, they don't know hockey, never played it. And uh, it's actually a sport that's in a little bit of not an ex- extinction status or, mm. or, or about to go extinct or anything, but it is one that uh, it's in, increasingly difficult for people to, to, sp- to spend that kind of money to play. Mm-hmm. But on maple syrup. Anyone oh, can buy maple am syrup. Am I avoiding that question? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm I'm still interested. Yeah, 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 I'm still interested. So you get a lot of 
other cultures here that probably know in the average um, non-Canadian or foreign immigrant coming in, I don't think you'd find in the cupboard of the average non-Canadian origin family mm. having uh, maple syrup. But I would say yes to most, like for me and for other Canadians growing up in Canada, I'd say there's a darn good chance you're going to find a bottle or two um, of maple syrup. Maples and maple syrup is is, is delicious, delicious. I have maple syrup at home all the time. So, yeah. And what would you serve it with? Uh, pancakes. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, and and we're going into my son's favorite season with strawberries coming in, right? So it's Ooh. time for some strawberry mm. pancakes. Ah, oh, very nice. <laughs> oh, would you put them right in the pancake? No, no, not in. Uh, serve on top. Okay. Slice them thin and and serve on top, and uh, and they drizzle the the syrup on top of that. Okay. We we like to take the strawberries and boil them down into like a uh, there's a name for it, like a, a sauce of some kind, yeah. Yeah. compote, yeah. Mm. And and my wife does not like, um, she doesn't really eat maple syrup. She's yeah. from Norway. So okay. there's an example. It's only in our house because I, I'm really the only real maple syrup eater in this house, actually. Oh, really? The kids have seemed to have adopted more of the taste buds of, of my wife. Huh. And they like the, the, the strawberry thing or tons of whipped cream on top. Wow. Mm. Well, speaking of misconceptions, so you're having yours with the maple syrup, and then they're serving theirs with a side of reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes. Uh, so let's flip to one of you guys, um, Salim. What do you? What's what's uh, a misconception you believe is out there about Egypt, and either confirm it or or clear it up for us? Well, uh, I mean, th this one, I can never actually tell. If people are are joking or if they're actually being serious, and I, I do assume that there's a bit of both, but when I get questions like, uh, "Does everyone ride camels in Egypt? Does do you ride camels to work? Do you live in a pyramid?" Yeah. And I'm like, "For real? <laughs> you asking that?" Um, we get the same about igloos here. Like people have actually <laughs> said that. Like, do you live in igloos or did you like? Like in the seventies, people would come north of the border looking for, for skiing right. in like July. <laughs> and there's nowhere in Canada that you could ski. I don't think anyway. Right in July. Justin, what do you know of a place? Yes, uh, you can do. Well, at one time, I don't know if it's still the case because it's likely melted by now. But uh, glacier skiing between the mountains in Blackcomb and Whistler, you could do during the summer. Mm. Ah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's probably true. Right. Yeah. But that's helicopter skiing, and that's not just expensive, but fairly technical and difficult. So, any yes. Joe Schmo just showing up trying to ski, I don't know, can handle that. So, Salim, we interrupted. Oh, no. So, camel riding. Yeah, so ca I did not think anyone in, in Egypt was, well, I should say that. I'm thinking more of the city, like Cairo. Right. I don't imagine people going through Cairo on camels. But Yeah. But I, I, I do think a lot of people are do tend to be genuinely surprised to, when I say Cairo is, you know, just just a regular, I mean, developing country, but sort of just a regular big city, with um, you know, with a with a subway and, and roads and cars and traffic, and you know, we all live in apartment buildings, and it's it's all fairly normal. And I, I do get a lot of surprised faces. Okay, what else you got? Anything else that's? Uh... Well, I mean, 
then there there's all sort of always the the kind of misconceptions about the Middle East more broadly. And I'd actually be interested to to hear. I mean, if if you guys have any thoughts about the Middle East that sort of come to mind. I mean, that you know, there's stuff like you know, ah, uh, like like Dubai, for instance, because it's a uh, you know, a lot of people know know Dubai, and uh, you know, people will say, oh, well, uh, my my father lives there, so like, oh, your your dad lives in Dubai, so you guys must be rich. I'm like, nope, nope, not at all. Um, yeah, not everyone's a, an oil. Right, exactly. Not everyone's we an oil. We talked about yeah, that before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Not 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 everyone's an oil baron, and um, so there, you know, there's there's a bit of that. I I think there's, I mean, yeah. Now that I think about it, the uh, a misconception around wealth, I guess. So you say sort of Middle East desert, uh, oil. You know, you know, does everyone have like a you know an oil field under their home, you know, that kind of thing? But yeah. Well, that one, uh, when I think Middle East, the first thing I go for is the terrorism thing, the <laughs> violence part. Right. You know, course. like growing up in the in the seven, late 70s, 80s, Beirut, um, you know, just Iraq, Iran with wars and, and, and just generally, obviously the, the Pac, uh, Palestine, the, the the bombings in places like Tel Aviv, mm-hmm. like you just think about that's for me. I just I know, for example, my parents. If I said I was going to go to Jerusalem, they would be concerned right. about my safety. Yeah. Um, if I said I was going to anywhere, probably in the Middle East, maybe except for Dubai, if they actually do know a little bit about it, like Lebanon. I have a f- a friend of mine. I introduced you to him actually, yeah. who who is from Lebanon. And I used to hear him talk about how beautiful it was there. And I'm just, I just couldn't imagine it. Like, you know, skiing and, and there's this beautiful place. And I just, to me, Lebanon is all I heard about was car bombs and hostages and things like that. So that's certainly the portrayal yeah. that was well, created by the media here. Yeah. And I guess they, well, those aren't incorrect, but it's not, do you go? You know, it's, you don't look around the streets of Leban of uh, Beirut and see burned out cars that have recently been blown up, <laughs> right. right? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I mean, even with misconceptions, there's always a, a little bit of truth, truth behind behind that, right? I mean, yeah, terrorism, terrorism yeah, is a thing, right? Yeah. Or, I mean, there's um, there's yep. definitely there's some truth, yeah. But you know, something like you know, Lebanon, you mentioned skiing there. I mean, no one would ever associate. Uh, skiing with the Middle East ever, but yeah, in in Lebanon you can you can ski. And and Justin, what's your experience? Not have you ever been to the Middle? East? I've never been to the Middle East, like anywhere no, in the Middle I, East. I've never been to the Middle East. Um, but, but but some of what you were talking about in terms of Lebanon kind of struck a chord with me because I think for a long time, and please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I thought Beirut was oftentimes referred to as the Paris of the Middle East, and. and I guess, you know, for, for a long time, it was kind of this, oh gosh, this is such a cliche. It was an oasis of sorts um, for a lot of folks culturally. That's what this is about. It's yeah. about cliches. Justin. <laughs> We're going to debunk well, I mean, those. It, culturally, um, culturally uh, ethnically, because of the cross between so many different uh, Middle Eastern cultures that was happening there, um, uh, it, there was very vibrant nightlife and everything else for a very long time. 
And, you know, what you're referring to, the image of burned out cars, it made me think of Colombia because, you know, for so long, uh, Bogota and Medellin were always seen as like these, these, you know, these, for good reason, being the, the main, uh, uh, crossing points of, of drug trafficking, um, for, for that right. part of the world. And you fast forward, you know, 15, 20 years, and it's amazing how quickly things can change. You know, they, they, they have a vibrant, uh, tourism industry they have an extremely burgeoning uh, food culture that's being shared with the world and it's it's a destination now for people who are, are traveling through that part of the world um whereas before you were definitely afraid of it and to your point about how your parents would react if you were going to most places in the middle east you know they would maybe not react if you were going to dubai if they knew a bit about it well much in the same way you know anybody going through colombia was like why would you go there you might get kidnapped you might get you know shot in, in in the crossfire of all the things that are going on with the drug war and all of yeah. that and you know go as i said go forward 10 15 years and it's a very very different outlook um as to going to places like that so uh, i'm not saying that it's the same for every place but i am saying it from the standpoint of since we're talking about misconceptions i think uh as things kind of change priorities change uh, regimes change and uh there's a little bit more light shined on the the vibrancy and and the beauty of a lot of these places, you know, willingness shifts. And there's also pride of the people who've lived there to, throughout, you know, through throughout these times to, to say like, no, these are wonderful places. We've stayed here for a reason. Um, not only because we didn't have a choice, but because this is home and we're, we're proud of this place. And I think over time that a lot of times that shines through and, and uh, the, the, misconceptions kind of slowly shift um you know for me misconceptions were always wherever i was before i mean i i had i i grew up part of my childhood in puerto rico i, I spent part of my life in new york i spent part of my life in connecticut and uh you know dubai is like the same kind of misconception everyone thinks that everyone in connecticut's rich well yeah sure okay that's fairfield county near new york but there's three of the 15 worst cities in the u.s in in connecticut you know the worst poverty rates worst education disparity, food inequity, all kinds of problems. So, you know, the reality is, is we could all take the uh, cliff notes, the the short version of of places and have all kinds of misconceptions about these different places. Um, And that's usually where the conversations start when people ask me about Japan too, right? Um, I had a, I had a relative who actually, I'm going to put them on front street here. I had a relative who worked for National Geographic for nearly 40 years. And, uh, when they met my then girlfriend who became my wife, um, she went to the bathroom and, uh, while she was in the bathroom, she said to me, this is the relative said to me, she's Japanese, right? And I said, yeah. She goes, does she wash her feet every day? I said, excuse me? <laughs> she goes, I, I heard the Japanese wash their husband's feet. And I said, well, I got the wrong one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so, you know, I never heard that. Before. Yeah, it, I, yeah, me neither. What she was playing to was the lowest common denominator, which was you know generationally and and the outlook of of certain Asian cultures of being subservient and all those things, right? Mm. And right. you know that's generationally those were the kind of very blasé, blunt kind of co- comments made. I took it for what it was. So silly. I didn't I didn't get all upset, but I obviously you know corrected the the comment but the reality is is um those misconceptions still exist to this day um it's not necessarily our jobs to fix them but uh at the same time 
people are going to think what they're going to think. And uh, I enjoy living in the places that I've lived and still do. Salim, before be, the couple things in there about the Middle East, the, oh, where is what is the oasis of the Middle East or the Paris of the Middle East? Beirut in Lebanon. Is that what you said? That's what Justin said. Have you heard that before? Yeah, I've heard I've heard that before. Yeah, I think it also has a lot to do with the fact that um, Lebanon used to be a French protectorate uh, mm-hmm. up until the fifties, uh, I guess, uh, for for quite a long time, and uh, you know. French is, is is a working language in Lebanon as well as uh, uh, as well as Arabic, and it's a bit of a melting pot there as well. So, uh, you know, beautiful sort of uh, architecture, a lot sort of from from the days of uh, of the French that still remain. So, and, and sort of it's this sort of really beautiful uh, city uh, city on the Mediterranean coast as well. So, you know, there's there's a lot of charm to to Beirut. Well, I thought it would be uh, important to let you guys know that Saskatoon <laughs> is considered the Paris of the Prairies. Ah, I didn't know that. <laughs> I had heard that before because I was in Saskatoon about 10 years ago and someone said this to me in American. And apparently the reason is because there's a lot of bridges. There's eight bridges that go over the South Saskatchewan River. Okay. Mm. So uh, that was I've never be been to Paris. Question. So I, yeah. Is it is Saskatoon? So Saskatoon is in Saskatchewan, or it's in? Hey, you're trying to put an Alberta. accent on Saskatoon. Just say Saskatoon. <laughs> Sa- Saskatoon. Wait, Saskatoon is the city and the province? No, no, no. Saskatoon the is city. Is the city? It's the capital city, in right? Saskatchewan. It's the capital. Yeah, city that's what well. I was asking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But you put an accent on Saskatoon. You said Saskatoon or something like that. Oh, I didn't mean to. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Sorry, back to Beirut. Fabregas, George Fabregas. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the Middle East there, Salim. Anything there that Justin was saying you want to talk talk to? Um, I mean, not necessarily. I think um, the the points he made were actually, I mean, spot on. I was actually interested with the interested in the uh, parallel to uh, sort of South America, and uh, you know you. The association of of the Middle East, you know, similar associations between the Middle East and sort of some places in South America as well, uh, with things like violence uh, and and you know, I think a lot of people's misconceptions uh, and I guess in in some sense my own as well. You know, when someone says Colombia, what do most people? I mean, and you know, when I say most people, I'm just talking about myself. It's like, oh, Colombia, cocaine. Um, you know, Pablo Escobar. It's it's like it's these these things that just automatically pop to mind. You know, come you know first to mind. I guess in the same way that even if if someone says Japan, you know, what's the first thing that you know that comes to my mind when someone says Japan? It's actually kind of like I'm 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 not kidding. Sushi is the first thing that comes to my mind when I think Japan. And I'm Japanese, so you know, and and there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. Well, and by the way, I think uh, Sophia Vergara, is it? Sophia Vergara has done a a very good job of making people, like when I think of Colombia, I actually kind of think of her almost first (laughs) and then then the history of uh, Pablo Escobar. But Sophia Vergara is, I think, um, starting to become the first thing people think about when they think of Colombia. Yep. 
with time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, to Salim's point, you know, the first thing he he thinks thinks of in, in with regarding regarding Colombia is drug trade and Escobar, and, and in some ways, you know, we don't make that any better in the West by by making TV shows about that stuff. Still, you know, they just had the big Escobar, like several big Escobar products, TV shows, movies in the last three, four years. So, you know, what what ends up happening is it's safe enough, not only for tourists to go and enjoy the city and eat, but it's also safe enough for Hollywood to say, oh, guess what? We could shoot on location now because we're not going to get killed. <laughs> and we can actually ensure this production and get something done on site, um, you know, what we mm-hmm. wouldn't have been able to do before. So, you know, as I said, 10, 15 years forward, it's a very different outlook of, of Colombia. 10, 15 years from now, probably even even better. Than, than what it is now as we kind of distance ourselves from it and it becomes more uh, a place that is affordable and uh, and and filled with a lot of beautiful culture, food, and and land uh, for that matter. Something I was reading about, uh, about Egypt because I wanted to look it up a little bit, like what are the misconceptions? And the camel one was mentioned. Hmm. The other one was about violence and that um, somebody was pointing out, this was an American writer, I believe, was pointing out the fact that you're probably safer in parts of Egypt than you are in certain parts of the United States. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, there's there are some some parts, uh, yeah, but it's it's the same anywhere, isn't it? Um, well, yeah. Although, well, I think that's our point. Yeah, right? yeah. Although, on balance, I think there's probably more. I think the murder rate in America is higher than Egypt. I'm pretty sure that's that's a. I mean, the murder rate in America is is pretty high in compared in comparison to most countries in the world so yeah well and the other point this article was making was especially for foreigners as a foreigner i think you are probably again misconception maybe but because of the penalties against crimes against foreigners or maybe it's crimes in general i don't know that being a foreigner often in a country like japan or or the Middle East might afford you some extra protection, perhaps, because I think mm-hmm. some of those governments have done a really, they're really trying to protect foreigners. So they make the penalties for doing something against a foreigner worse. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Sure. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It's like, like petty, petty, petty crime, too. you know, uh, yeah. you know, getting. Uh, getting your sort of stuff, stuff stolen. I mean, that kind of stuff that, that'll happen, but. Um, I, I don't, I don't recall, um, and it's happened sort of terrorist incidents and, and what have you in the past, but not, not, a, not a whole lot. You don't hear a whole lot of, um, tourists in Egypt getting, um, hurt or, or killed. It's not, it's not common at all. Well, there's probably more on this that, uh, maybe we come back to it, but, uh, any final thoughts on the topic before we move on to, uh, I would just say just as we started off and, and as Salim was alluding to, you know, having lived in many places and, and being multicultural himself, uh, you know, I think that with some grace and with some understanding, the misconceptions kind of slide away. Yes, there are certain things because of the circles around us, whether it be family or friends that we're going to hear all kinds of very interesting <laughs> misconceptions or perspectives at, at, on certain cultures but in the end uh i think we're in a, we're in a fairly different age and i think a lot of current generations do a, a good job of educating themselves as to what is going on with different people in different places before kind of making broad stroke statements so 
maybe our experiences are going to be vastly different than those of the generations after us, exceedingly so. Well, first world problems is something that I've I've had on my mind. As a, I just have a couple here, I want to just bounce back and forth with you guys. And you just you tell me, is this a first world problem? Have you ever bought something at a store and they forget to take the security tag off and you get home and you realize it's on there and it just pisses you off? That's never happened to me, actually. And I'm talking about those ones that are like yeah, the security the, tabs the physically. Wait, the, like the ones with yeah. the like not the price tag, the one with like the, yeah, the ink the little, in them that if you, if yeah, you the, break the, it, the, um, the, pin, yeah. the pin goes through the, the garment. Right. Into another Correct. backing, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you know that you can impossible for you to take off? Do you know? Do you know you can actually take it off using a strong magnet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you can. So, uh, Clark, next time that happens, well, strong magnet, neodymium, neodymium okay. magnet. Yeah, one of those strong magnets. Give, give that a try. Long, long time luxury goods career. Ah, yeah, I was going to say. That's right. That's right Justin yeah. would probably oh, know Justin about that knows, one. Yeah. So, for for any of you uh, people with sticky fingers who are listening in. Um, you did not hear this from me. You heard it from <laughs> Salim Horier. Um, <laughs> actually, yeah. it doesn't even take a strong magnet. A lot of them are ball bearings that are by friction holding the pin in there. And if you give it a good whack right dead center on the backing, uh, slam it on the floor even, <laughs> a lot of times it'll loosen and pop open. Um, uh, Clark, can we, can we get a, though, can we get a would, disclaimer suggest- on the on the on the pod? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe you know this is where you play the elevator music, play the elevator music for about a minute here. Just to- <laughs> yeah, and, and we're back. <laughs> is the ink thing real? Like, are there, is there really ink in some of those? Yeah, it doesn't explode, but it leaks. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So it'll ruin the garment, and you'll have Smurf hands for you know however long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the ink thing is real. Um, it, it doesn't explode; it just leaks. Uh, mm-hmm. It will ruin the garment. You'll get it all over your hands, okay. and uh, it'll be annoying. But um, yeah, that is that is annoying. Uh, here in Japan, it doesn't happen too often, but I actually have heard stories of people who it has happened to them when they've gone to like high end stores, and they get so embarrassed. You know, this kind of goes to a first world part of the question, right? So in the U.S., it's kind of like, well, you're SOL. You got to come back to the store, sir. <laughs> you know, you got to come back and deal right. with it. Right. That's what ju- makes it a first world problem to me, right. by the way. Right. That's what bugs me about is I got to go back into right. the store now. Right. And and they they probably won't even apologize. They'll say, oh, yeah, okay. And then they'll unlock it and yeah. give, give you the garment back. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're actually looking for the thank you from you, actually. <laughs> you have to say <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. No, here, if that happens, I've actually heard stories where the actually be sales associate or the person has to go to the person's house and go do it there for them at their house, oh, you know, bring the yeah. little contraption with them to pop it I out. miss that. And lots of apologies and all that. Yeah. Well, speaking of first I role, think that's fantastic. <laughs> that is exactly what should happen. The employee should <laughs> come to your house. And with the contraption and unlock it. I think that would be, that's, that's what should happen. Fair. Um, one, one other one, the, um, going through a McDonald's and you got your bag of stuff and then you're halfway back home and you realize they forgot an item. They forgot the cheeseburger. <laughs> How annoying is that? That is pretty annoying. <laughs> What, what do you, what do, you do? Right like, what you, do you do about it well i so we my wife and i were out a couple weeks ago and when we go out we let the kids have mcdonald's and i came home and there was a fight 
between my my son and my daughter and the fight was about because they had forgotten my daughter's cheeseburger Ooh. and she still had some chicken mcnuggets and fries but it was a big controversy and i i thought you know like i was p- kind of ticked off right the the fight was that that um eric got his meal but my daughter didn't get her entire meal so there was a fight oh, he, he, didn't, he didn't share he didn't share his burger with her well i think it was more that his meal came the way it was supposed to and hers didn't oh, well, so right, that right, was right yeah so it's not even about sharing mostly what right? the fight yeah, yeah, yeah. was and that and what bothered me about it is i think we've had this happen before we ordered it through uber eats mm. and i think that the process of complaining about that is is one of those labyrinths of mm-hmm. you go into the uber mm-hmm. thing like the app and good luck finding how to actually deal with that problem and, and, it, will, and it's it would be very difficult well they give you right yeah it'd be very difficult um, unless you're checking on the spot when you receive your delivery i mean after right. the guys after delivery after the delivery guy's gone i mean what are you really can you really call McCall up mcdonald's or or go through the app god forbid uh to say oh well i didn't get my cheeseburger and you know yeah no no one's really right. going to do anything about like, that who's right? responsible is it uber mm, well good. no the delivery guy didn't unless he ate the unless he ate the right. cheeseburger yeah but I seem to remember when I try to complain through Uber Eats, it's things like the food was cold or something that might be attributed to the driver, perhaps. And then it's sort of like a you give the feedback, but there's no record. There's no return of anything from my memory. Right. Anyway. So, yeah, I know it's a first world problem that I can go to a window and pick food up and, and take it home with me and, and uh, something's missing. I guess that that probably could be seen as a a first world problem. Yeah, yeah. I've got. Um, I mean, I've 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 got one sort of. And I, I, it's maybe not one, but it's it's all kind of associated with the internet, which I suppose kind of says something about maybe me or my generation or 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 the way I live. But um, so I I uh, I get my phone data through sort of a company plan. And it only gives me seven gigabytes, which which is really not much. I mean, in this day and age, when when everything is like you know everything is you know uses up a lot of data, uh, yeah. the seven gigs go by in a flash, and I'm constantly left with like low speed internet for you know I I, I wouldn't say most of the month, but you know. Last, I, so I, the I company is serve. paying for yeah, yeah, the company pays for it for this yeah. inadequate a supply. Right, of, company yeah, pays I for the... this inadequate supply, and I can't really complain because it's not like I'm paying for it. <laughs> but still, I mean, come on, in this day and age, seven gigs, really? And yeah, that, yeah. that's like my my biggest gripe usually at the end of the month. Justin, you got something? <sighs> I want to be careful not to glorify too much here because I don't want an influx of foreigners moving to Japan seeking the good life. Um, <laughs> I, I, I got to be honest, you know, it's it's pretty easy living here. You know, even as a foreigner whose Japanese is pretty limited, I mean, I can understand a fair bit, but my spoken is terrible. And I'll go to a local ward office, which is kind of like a local municipal office. And 
I'll carve out a certain amount of time to do this because I know it's going to take a long time. Anything, anything related to cell phones here or banking takes three, four hours. Setting up an account, you just, you're going to kill half your day. So I curved out some time to deal with moving, moving from, I I moved houses recently and, but luckily I was only moving within the same ward. I wasn't leaving my ward and entering a new ward, moving from Shibuya to Setagaya or Setagaya to Shinjuku or anything like that. I was staying within my ward. So I went to the local ward office to move and we go through all the paperwork and it's the same guy I've seen there for years. He's very nice. And we go through all the paperwork and everything's ready to go and I'm ready to, to get everything through to, to, to change my, my foreign residence card, which is called a Zairu card, uh, and my my number card, which is attached to all kinds of things like your pension and-, and I remember else. the my number. Exactly. Yeah. And ready to go, about to, about to finish. And it's taken almost an hour just to go, go through the paperwork and go back and forth on some stuff, which is fine. You know, I, I expected it. And right before we're about to execute, he goes, where are your sons? I go, excuse me? He goes, I need their IDs. You all have to move at the same time. And I said, okay. said, so what does that mean? He goes, well, you have to bring the foreign residence cards for your sons. Do they also have my number cards? No. Why not? Well, because I don't want them in the system yet. Okay. I understand. Great. (laughs) And getting all, getting through all that and, um, and then realizing that that was the part of the process that I, I need to come back with their cards as well, because I can't exit, exit, quote unquote, I'm putting up quotes in the, in the air here. I can't exit my former house, even though I've already physically moved. I can't exit my former house and move into the new house without my kids. I can't leave my kids behind on documents <laughs> in the old house. Right. They can't right. be the, right. the, they can't be a head of household, which makes sense, right? So uh, they're minors. So I, I got it. So I was like, oh, okay, no problem, right? I'm explaining this in detail just for the sake of saying no problem, right? And the guy and like a bunch of the other staff are like apologizing to me for the fact that I have to come back and all this inconvenience. And I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, if I was some petulant brat, you know, I would maybe be ticked off, right? I would say, why do I have to come back here? Yada, yada, yada. And I have witnessed those blowups, um, right? Before. Some arrogant American just... Spouting uh, off in the middle. Uh, of the I want to be office. fair. I want to be fair. It's not just the foreigners. Some Japanese people do go off <laughs> in some of these offices. Okay, I mean, especially people who are kind of used to everything being taken care of for them when they do that. It's mostly but, Japanese people going off. Well, yeah. I mean, the percentage is yeah. with them, right? Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they're ninety nine percent of the population. So, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But another misconception, right? Japanese are all polite and they yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Office. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, don't don't ever walk by a baseball field practice on the weekend and watch salarymen coaches just lay into kids for three hours. <laughs> just like, oh my god, dude, <laughs> work this out somewhere else. <laughs> um, but anyhow, long story short, too late. Um, the uh, the <laughs> the the first world problem would be uh, getting all huffy about it not being taken care of. Uh, the reality is things are really easy here, and. Uh, I'm I'm very grateful for for that being the case. All right, we're going to move into what we're watching, and uh, we've just got a couple minutes for each of us on this one. I'll and uh, oh, time out on Justin. Sorry, can we can we since we're switching segments, can we come back to him one second? I got to take the bread out. <laughs> yes, yes, go ahead. That was almost a nice little feel good story from from Justin there. <laughs> About the about the ward office, the ward office, thing, yeah. Or? yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. What feel good story? Uh, uh, maybe not. Maybe not a feel good story, but it's kind of like I don't know if it's well, it's not necessarily a first world. Well, I guess it is a first world problem, but at the same time, it's like oh, you know, things just kind of work in Japan. Ah, Justin's bringing out the bread. What's nice. uh, what kind of bread is that? Is it a look like a focaccia ah, sort of style? Yeah, 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 focaccia. Might be wrong. Can you hear us with his earbuds? I can. I can hear you. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So yeah, he was away uh, from his mic, so he couldn't respond. I can't respond, but I can hear you. Uh, it's kind of like a small boulet, like a like somewhere between a loaf and a roll. Um, ah. So, so my 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 eldest has a swim tournament in the morning early at six forty five a.m. So I'm just baking the bread now, so I can just make some sandwiches in the morning before we head out. Nice. That's awesome. That's very nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for thanks thanks for the timeout. No, yeah, yeah. No I was going to say I could use a bio break, but uh, someone's using the bathroom next door here, so oh. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll hold it. So, what we're watching, um, I'll kick it off, and oh, we can call it what we're watching, what we're reading, what we're listening to. I just listened to, I've mentioned this podcast, Smartless, a few times on uh, previous episodes, but I just listened to my what I think was my favorite of all Smartless episodes and that was the Wayne Gretzky Smartless episode. It uh, it was so enjoyable for me to listen to Wayne Gretzky talk about his childhood, uh, just talk about his life after hockey. Um, if you aren't a Smartless f- listener, I think most people would enjoy the podcast, but in particular, the Wayne Gretzky episode of Smartless, I think it was the second last or third last one that they did. It, it's, it was fantastic. So that's my what, what I'm listening to. Justin, I'll be careful. Uh, no spoilers, of course. I've been watching Andor. Um, ah, nice. Yes. So is that Star I, Wars related? Star Wars. It is. Related. It is. Yeah. It is. Uh, I I moved recently, and I haven't had a lot of time. But when I have had time, or I'm just kind of fried, and I need to tune out for a bit, I've been going to Andor, and it just aired the last episode a couple days ago, the series finale. Uh, I won't say anything about it. But what I will say uh, about just the general scope of it uh, is it is the best writing and acting I've seen in this series since Empire Strikes Back. Oh, um, wow. That's a yeah. big endorsement. Yeah, that's a, I'm, 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 I'm not going to come out light on it. <laughs> mm. What um, about The Mandalorian? Because a lot of people give Mandalorian a lot of praise. Like, it's, it's very well done. Uh, it's very well yeah. done. Um, and this is not a statement on uh, Pablo Pascal being uh, uh, less than. Uh, it's just that the class of acting in Andor and Diego Luna as a, as a, a lead are astonishing. Uh, the writing by Tony Gilroy. Uh, Tony Gilroy has been around a really long time. He's a movie guy and he's in TV making a 12 episode season. So he has the time to build characters, including bad Bad, bad guys, you know, people on the Empire side in a way that makes you, the viewer, uh, empathize and almost in, not in a way root for them, but but in a way be invested in their arc. Uh, that is very rare uh, in, a, in a TV series. Uh, I think one of the biggest challenges with a Star Wars product is uh, it has such a large fan base and fans seek familiar and they want kind of the greatest hits. They want to see you know, Han and Chewie, they want to see like all the different, you know, play the, play the best notes, play the best songs. 
And to step out of that and to do this in a way that is uh, definitely part of Star Wars canon, people who are really into Star Wars know the some of the stories around this, uh, but to do this in a way that is bridging multiple gaps in stories from uh, the original trilogy to the period uh, after and kind of bridging some of the places and how certain things built up. I don't want to say too much, but um, anyhow, yeah, it's tremendously written. It's tremendously acted. Uh, The production is top notch. Disney, I highly doubt will go past two seasons with it because of the cost. Um, They've already greenlit the second season so we'll definitely get another 12 episodes but easily my favorite thing out of any product this year and probably my second favorite star wars products since empire and i i enjoyed some of the the, the reboot stuff in the in the recent years uh, but yeah what when you said that you when you're busy with stuff and then it's time to sort of check out and mm. you said go to Andor. I, I imagined you were talking about your virtual <laughs> TIE fighter that you would <laughs> get into and fly there in, in your own little <laughs> world. Well, actually on that note, uh, since we're talking about viewing, listening and watching, um, I, I'm, I've gotten through all the boxes from the move and I got to one of the last boxes with electronics in it and it had my old PlayStation 3. And I hadn't touched it since my eldest was a baby, so eight plus years ago. And I thought that the controllers were shot and wasn't working. I was just going to give it away. So I figured, why not hook it up, give it a shot? And everything was working just fine. And I, there were some games I'd never played before, so I, I popped on Call of Duty, uh, Modern Warfare. <laughs> wow. Blast from <laughs> the past. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, which is still games of today. You oh yeah, you can oh, it's, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. They just yeah. released the, the new graphics. One. Yeah. 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 Are the graphics so like like was it obvious like the graphics were from a decade ago of games a- or did it still feel totally? Like, yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But, but you was, still had fun. But I never played it before, so I I, I had fun. Yeah. Mm. Did you have a headset and were you able to connect to anybody or there that's not possible anymore yeah i don't know i mean it was funny because it's a playstation 3 so i was going through the menus and i saw my old netflix account i saw my old nfl game day account <laughs> like all these mm-hmm. things that i haven't wow. used in you know 10 plus right. years or something yeah salim what's your what you're watching listening to reading uh this is this is a movie and um i i highly recommend it if you haven't already seen it um all quiet on the western front uh on netflix this is a remake, right? No, yeah, it is, is a re- it is a remake of a movie. I think um, it 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 it's it, it was written as a book um, originally, uh, and there was a movie. I don't know if there was one or two movies, but there was definitely one. I, I think, think there the, was yeah, a the last one. I think was in yeah. the seventies. I think, and uh, so this is the the most recent uh, remake of it, and it was jaw droppingly good. Um, the cinematography amazing, the acting incredible, and uh, I mean, I love a good war movie. I just, I just love the stuff, and this was absolutely top notch. And um, you don't, I don't think you very often get the, uh, especially you know, in sort of World War uh, One, World War Two movies. I don't think you uh, very often get. 
the the perspective of uh, sort of the the Axis side, for instance, or, or you know World War One, the um, you know the German side, you don't really get that. And in this case, obviously, um, this is a uh, the movie is in German, right? And I, I absolutely recommend for, for for people to watch it in in German without without dubbing. Uh, read the subtitles. We've talked about that before. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, watch the German version. The acting is amazing, and the uh, the ability for the movie to just kind of remind you of the horrors of war from the perspective of the people who were fighting it, and uh, and w- without removing the humanity of uh, the individuals, right? So, um, uh, war is fought by sort of people on, on both sides and, and they're all just, you know, just young guys, right? So it just really gives you, it immerses you in, in the world of sort of the, the, the main characters, uh, and, uh, and how they, uh, you know, how they, how they viewed and, and how they, um, fought in the war. It focuses on the um, sort of uh, uh, I, I, I can't recall the name of the place, but um, uh, this sort of stretch of land in uh, in, in France that sort of uh, uh, the Germans and the French were fighting over for forever. And um, you know, I mean, I just can't recommend this enough. Uh, it's it's a bit it's, it's on the longer side. I think it was close to it's like two and a half hours. But yeah, watch it. Yeah, it was. Uh, there were three. Mo- well, there's three movies now. So there was one in 1930, and then 1979, which uh, starred a guy named Richard Thomas, who some people might know from The Waltons, and uh, he was the one of the sons in the well, the oldest son, I think. So I'm definitely interested. I have seen it flash by on my Netflix. Uh, you know, what popular on Netflix yeah, right yeah. now? Scroll bar or whatever. So that's I'm definitely going to put that on my list. Well, gentlemen, we aim to record for, what, 40, 45 minutes. Here we are a little over an hour, but uh, so much always to catch catch up on. And uh, some of these topics, we probably could have dug a little bit deeper on them, but uh, always a pleasure to get you guys on. And uh, your day is ending. Mine is just beginning. And I was just realizing, oh, I got a work meeting in 45 minutes. Do we want to Do we want to timestamp this? I mean, is there, um, um, you know, because I think we 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 maybe did that um, in one of the past episodes. Uh, so Timestamp it like deliberately. Deliberately, yeah, deliberately. Like say that you know, this is um, today is th- today is November twenty fifth. November twenty fifth. It's a Friday, um, ten ten twenty p.m. in in Tokyo. Uh, Was it eight eight nineteen a.m. eight nineteen a.m. in in Toronto? Uh, if you're an American, they, you're probably somewhere in a Walmart fighting someone over a TV for Black Friday. That, oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Oh, th- that's another topic. Uh, <laughs> just all these Black Friday, pre- pre-Black Friday, <laughs> pre-Black uh, Black Friday. Friday week. Um, <laughs> I, I just saw one today, an ad for a, a clothing store here called Harry Rosen. It's a men's clothing store, and they have the um, – their sale is called the – is it Black Friday gate crasher sale? Like, as if there's going to be a pile of people lined up 
gate crashing a luxury men's store. I, I don't see it. I think it's just, just some of these things like gate crasher and um, yeah, all the, I just find like what's left on Black Friday by the time all these Black Friday pre-sales <laughs> and then there's Cyber Monday and all these right, things. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a and it's a competition to start even earlier and earlier than each other too. Yeah. Here in Japan, yeah. most of it's yeah. just getting rid of old stock. It'll be like Black Friday sale, iMac, uh 2021 model for two hundred thousand yen. And then you click on like the Apple website. It's like current model, two hundred thousand yen. It's like, why would you go to the big box store? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But there's there's another thing too. Why did the country of Japan or Canada, for that matter, adopt an American holidays sale? The yeah. money, marketing, the money. money. <laughs> the money. I just I just find that fascinating. That uh, we we've just and maybe that goes back to the global world we're in, the smaller world we live in. That we can take things like that and just make them universal a black friday sale which is the day after thanksgiving is now a national sales event or a global sales event secular japan celebrates christmas so well i mean at least not not in an official capacity but i've always yeah, had I mean, my thoughts it, it celebrates it now or celebrates it at christmas time oh i mean it's it's already begun it's yeah, yeah like the decorations yeah, yeah, yeah. are it's, yeah. it's all commerce driven i mean you know valentine's totally. yeah yeah i mean they, they they've adopted some of the quote-unquote hallmark holidays here just purely for the sake of of the economy so exactly right yeah. good anyway on. well <laughs> i think we time stamped it we did yes <laughs> so thanks from uh tokyo salim and justin and signing off here from toronto uh have a great uh weekend guys thanks you too thank you